but at any rate, it makes it um, uh, it it takes work to understand what was happening over here. Um, we've always had a rule that when we have a person that represents Hakadosh Baruch Hu, we have to be very careful not to upset them and to do what they uh, to follow their will, and certainly not to. Uh, Call him Baldy and kick him out of town, and uh, you know, give him a hard time because they fixed the water. Uh, but that this, that was the story there. And again, we're not learning that directly, and so it'll. Um, but the Gemara is going into what happened. So uh, that, that's what we finished off with yesterday. This story of Alicia and uh, and the bears. The um, how did we get into that? Um, uh, well, uh, we said the problem was, it's interesting enough, that was a terrible thing that uh, young people should be killed. And uh, it would have been avoided if he was escorted. If he was escorted by the elders, people, they like to take advantage of a person when they're alone. You know, they saw the old rabbi all alone. Now was time to get even with him. That, as I mentioned, they were angry with him because he took away their, they were, you know, the charging big money for the uh, bringing the water up from the other towns, and they see the old rabbi alone, and so this was their chance to go pick on him. Had he been escorted, this would have never happened. So uh, sometimes a simple escort, a simple malava, a simple just have uh, given uh, direction will save from lots of trouble. And that's the idea of malava, that Sometimes a person, you don't leave them alone, you walk them to where they need to go, you escort them out, or the, because that wasn't done over here, uh, that's the, again, they, they, uh, the kids were bad news. We said before, their mothers uh, had relations on Yom Kippur, you know, like the, that's a, uh, but uh, uh, this all could have been avoided had they done this great mitzvah of malava, of helping a person when they're, going from leaving your place and going to another place, making sure that they start out safely and correctly and, uh, and showing them that you care to be with them, that would have been avoided. But let's go, we're on the bottom line on 46b and finishing off this story. Once we began that in the base medrash, we can't leave this amazing bear story. It says, Two big bears came out. 42 kids. Is that normal for bears to kill so many at one time? Like, it's almost like a mass shooting, you know? Like, these bears, you know, they're, they, uh, they killed 42. As we turn to today's page, Rav Ishmul Chad Omer he said that was a miracle. The Chad Omer Nes a miracle inside a miracle. Now, by the way, miracles not only happen to uh, reward, sometimes miracles happen to punish. Over here, it's a punishing miracle. I mean, the truth is the Ten Plagues were all kinds of punishing miracles, you know, that's, uh, when you think about it. So what was the one miracle or two? So uh, the question was, where did the bears come from? All of a sudden, you... So the miracle is that... Uh, we, we didn't get, oh, okay. We're going to explain it right now. So the one who says it was a miracle, he said because there was a forest there, and potentially any time you have a wild area, a forest, you could have bears there. But Dubim Lohave, they weren't bears, and the miracle was that nobody knew that there were bears there. Every now and then they find a place that everybody assumes is safe, and all of a sudden they... Uh, I've heard a number of stories from campers that they've run into bears, which is surprising, because um, you didn't think... I didn't think yeah. Mm-hmm. We just had bear in our community. You're kidding. It's seen on, on, on security cameras, and it's been on the news. 
rummaging through uh, garbage. Yeah. They were coming out of uh, Washington Park, Sligo Park, and they were coming into the neighborhood. So we've had there were two bear sightings. No kidding! Wow. And you're talking about Washington D.C., right? You have about a, yes. a busy, you know, rural area. Like, what would a bear be doing over they, there? They said they travel up to ten miles for food. Uh-huh. So they come out, they get out, and they go out of the park this time of the, of the year, and they're rummaging for food. So everyone's told, close your garbage cans, lock the door, everything. Uh-huh. Okay, well, watch the kids, I guess, yeah. but okay. It's in my daughter's neighborhood in Montreal. Really? Okay. So they could be, I mean, if they could be there, they could be anywhere, really, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, he says that the miracle was that they, um, that they weren't usually there, and they were there. But the one who, in other words, that, that in order to punish them, Hashem brought out the bears. But the one who said, Nes besoch nes, uh, because lo, ha, lo yarhave, there was no forest over there. Uh, below dubim, and there were no bears. I, the Morris says, um, for lahavi dubim below lahave uh, yar, um, let there be, um, why do you need to have a forest? Why can't you just have bears without a forest? Um, so the Gemara answers, uh, Du Bois, bears need to have their, their lair. They need to have their place where they go back into. Rashi, two lines from Du Bois, they're afraid. Bears, when they have their lair, their home, they're not afraid to mess with people. But when they get real far away from their forest, when there's no close getaway spot, apparently they're more fierce near where they live. If they know that they have, they can quickly back up to their place, they're more likely to attack. But if they're, so that's good news, Richard. If they're probably 10 miles away from the forest, they probably won't be in attack mode unless they have a quick spot to hide in. Uh, but that's, that's what the Gemara is saying. Um, I, I wouldn't want to test it, though. <laughs> um, Omar Ribchanina, Bishvil Arbu Ushnat... Those bones were close to the park area, though. Oh, they were, I see. Aha, okay, so then it wasn't so safe. Okay. Omar Ribchanina, Bishvil Arbu Ushnaim Karbanos. It's funny, it's an interesting number. There's a whole science of numbers that we study in Tanakh. Anytime you see the exact same number, it's almost like Gzei Rishava. That you, you see the exact same word, you got to look over there and see where it's connected. Where else do you have the number 42 in the Torah? So by Balak. So now we got to figure out what in the world does Balak have to do with the bears. So it says over there that Balak offered 42 korbanos. So Hanina has a tradition, Because of the 42 korbanos that he brought, we, he was trying to curse Klai Yisrael. And so we never had such a calamity that, like, young people should be killed. Uh, he says that was an answer to his 42 karbanas. Now, is that what happened? Ain't he? Omer of Yehud, Omer Rav. He said it's a totally different teaching. He said, La'olam yasa gada b'torah mitzvahs afopisher lo lishma. A person should do Torah and mitzvahs even without the right reasons. Shemitok uh, shelo lishma, because if you do them for any reason, ba lishma, you'll come to good things. He brought karbanos because he wanted to harm us, and he ended up coming close to Hashem. Shebeskar arba v'shnayim karbanos shikrish balak melak moab. Because of these 42 karbanos, zokha v'yotzi menu, guess who? Rost, Shavu's story, right? He said that because of that, he had a granddaughter who was, came to receive Torah. Shiyotzi menu shlomo. And uh, Rost married, and she was the grandmother of the Davidic line. And shlomo amalekim, and she calls him elef olos, and shlomo brought more karbanos than anybody. 
those 42 led to Shlomo HaMelech's thousand. Omar of Yosef Menchoni, Rus Bito Sho'agon Beno Sho'balakaisa. She was the granddaughter. Um, so our question is, how can we say that the, less, the, the result of Bolek bringing the Korbanos was that his granddaughter came close to Hashem and would eventually bring a thousand Korbanos because even though that wasn't the reason he did it. Surprise, you do mitzvahs, it leads you to, to Lishma. So how can we say that uh, his purpose in doing this was to harm Klag Yisrael? How could we say it led to the bear catastrophe? So the Gemara says, Tavaso He had a taiva to, to, uh, to harm us. So even though, uh, even though uh, he ended up getting a child that would come close to Hashem, he also ended up that Klag Yisrael had a tragedy later from that. Okay. Let's get back to our story. Um, uh, what happened over there with uh, before the bears? That wasn't that was the, the, the that that happened later. But what was he doing in the city that he fixed the waters? So the people of the city. Now he was there and he wanted. It's also a lesson when you go somewhere. If there's something you could do to help people, you say what well, you know. You try to try to help people where you are. So Elisha was there, he visited this city, and he said, how's it going, guys? And they said, he says, uh, everything's good here. You see, we have a nice city here. Everything is relatively good, but uh, we have the water's bad and people are dying from the water. That's all. So the Morris says, if the the water is bad, you can't grow things if the water is bad. Why is it good? They said, oh, it's a beautiful land, it's great, except uh, everybody's dying and, 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 the, and the land is poisoned from the waters. <laughs> so why is it good? So Omar Rebbe, um, so Omar Rebbe, Rebbe says an interesting lesson. He said, uh, and this is said, uh, Omar Rebbe Hanan. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, he says Hashem, it's a famous rule, Hashem gives, uh, makes people like the place that they're in. He makes people like, uh, they finds favor in their eyes. People get a, like, sometimes you look at somebody and you say, why does he like living here? You know, what, what is it, you know, it's, uh, why, why would anybody want to live there, right? But they love it, right? Those people that live there. Hashem gives a person chen, he finds favor in his place. So they live in a place where the water was terrible. You can't drink the water. And the land was poisoned. And they say, oh, it's beautiful here, right? So besides that, so you see that they have chen. There's three kinds of favor. People like uh, the place where they live. That, that, that appeals to them. You go to like New York City or something. Why would anybody want to live here, right? Or you go to, uh, they go to, you know, if other people go to a cold climate, why would anybody want to live here? Other people, it's real hot. Why would anybody want to live here? But every, everybody kind of ends up liking where they live. So uh, that's the Chain Isha Albala. What does he see in her? Or what does she see in him? Hashem gives them chen. If people are, are, are worthy, they find uh, they, they, they like each other. Chen mecha kalmeh. People like what they bought. You know, once they bought it, they invested in it, they're happy with it. Alisha uh, was a tzadik gamor, and Hashem wanted him to go to the highest place in Gan Eden. And so therefore, he made three mistakes in life. So because of those three mistakes, he got three sicknesses. So what, what were those three mistakes that he got the sicknesses for? Number one, Shagira Dubin Betinochas. 
he was punished for uh, uh, sticking the bears on those kids. He should have found a way somehow, you know, to not have uh, have to curse them or not have to. It didn't end well. There are certain things that it didn't end well. Even though it was a miracle and Hashem brought the miracle and and they they insulted him and this and that, but it was not a good story. You know, we'd rather not the bears attack the kids. Okay, number two, famous story. Uh, he had a disciple named Gechazi, and he pushed him away with two hands. We're going to find that certain times you have to push people away. You don't push away with two hands. And uh, the third sickness was Shemesa, was the final sickness. Uh, there, there's a concept that uh, uh, it's a, actually a form of kindness that a person knows that he's going to pass away, and so he has time to put his things together, so he's given a sickness before he dies. How do we know these? That was the one that he died. So important lesson that we learn from what happened with Elisha, where he needed to push his student away, but not so hard. There's a famous rule. Always listen to this rule. When you push away, you push away with the left hand, assuming you're a lefty, and you bring near with the right hand. We have to sometimes push people away, but we have to pull people closer, str- harder than we push them away. And that has to be the mida. There's sometimes you got to push away, but it has to be uh, the strong hand p- brings near. But not like Elisha that pushed away with two hands. He pushed away with two hands. Some people say this was Yashka. That's the... Uh, uh, but it's, uh, there were more than one yashka, but uh, there, there were certain uh, the great, the, uh, the great scholars had great students, and sometimes a student, you see something in them that they're not worthy to be a student, and you have to, they, they very much need to fix something if they're going to be a leader in, the, in Klau Yisrael. And so you, the leader has to show displeasure if the student shows that there's something, something wrong with him that he needs to fix, but you don't push too hard. And Elisha, what, uh, so what are, what are the cases? Elisha, the story with Elisha, was the, with the Gechazi, was the following. Gechazi uh, liked money a lot. And uh, Elisha did a big miracle, and he healed the uh, general of his leprosy, and he was willing to offer all the money in the world to Elisha. And Elisha said, I don't want a penny. And uh, Gechazi couldn't, uh, was very upset about that. Uh, they were very poor, they had lots of students, and they needed the money. So Gechazi went after the general uh, to tell the general behind Elisha's back, well, we'll take a little bit. So it says, All right, so take some pillows. So uh, he, he went and he took the money from the general. Now, when he came back, so uh, he hid the, all of this from Elisha. Now, Gechazi should have known that you can't fool Elisha. Elisha knew everything. So uh, he said, Lo libi You don't think my heart was with you? You don't think I had my invisible camera there when he got off the chariot to greet you? When you took the money and he took the clothing and the olives and the vineyards, and the cattle and the flocks and the servants and the maple. It's a lot of money. He took big bucks from him, right? So uh, you don't think I saw all that when you took all those riches from Elisha? So the more just has a question of Mishaku Kulihai, did, did he really take so much money? 
uh, I mean, it does, you, that, you know, to buy servants and land, and, uh, you know, you need really big bucks for that. The, the verse says he just took some silver and some clothing. How much, how much money was the payoff? So, so really, it was a smaller payoff. Uh, um, the general didn't give him that much, but it mentions eight things uh, hinting to something else that was going on there. Alicia was learning Shmona Shratzim. Well, hopefully we'll get there. I don't know how long, a year, year and a half. Uh, there's a parak in Kulin called Shmona Shratzim, the eight creepies. Uh, and they were studying that in the yeshiva at the time. And Elisha, um, who was poor, all of a sudden became wealthy, uh, not Elisha, Gechazi, became wealthy from all this money that he pilfered off this general. So uh, why does it say that it was eight, eight, different, uh, eight different kinds of booty that he got? So Amalo Russia, he said, you good-for-nothing students. I mean, when you call a student a Russia, that's pretty bad. That's like, the, you know, you... He called his student a Russia. He said, you got eight things because you're getting your reward in this world. We don't want a reward in this world. We, 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 you know, when you learn the, the difficult things about the eight creepies, you know, somebody may say, ooh, eight creepies, you don't have any idea the reward you're going to get? But um, you took your reward in this world. So that's why you got, you, you think this world is the place to get the reward for that? But Saras Namid Tibbukhab as a Rechel Olam. And you are going to have Saras forever and your children. People say maybe him, but not his children. It's pretty strong rebuke. You know, you have leprosy forever. Ba'arba, and actually there's a record of them. It says, Ba'arba Nashiach Mitzra mentions four lepers. Who are they? There's a record that Elisha traveled around. You know, the, it's very interesting. The, um, in the previous generation, uh, the previous, two previous generations, you find the great Sadiqim traveled. Have Tzaddik will travel, like the, uh, the, even the Gra, like went incognito. The, there was something called Pravingolis, where they, like they, they, uh, different Tzaddikim would just like, go see the world or go travel, and, and they had like, reasons to go different places. There was, um, it's like 10 years ago, with Steinman, who never left Eretz Yisrael, all of a sudden came to all of, you know, the, we don't know why Gadolim go where they go, uh, but if you see a Gadol in Atlanta, you know, but at uh, any rate, Elisha uh, went to Damascus. Yes, 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 that's it. Elisha went to Damascus. So what in the world was our Jewish prophet doing over there in Syria? Lama holach, why'd he go? He went to bring back his student. Uh, but it was too late. You couldn't bring him back. Come back. He says, Rebbe, you taught me. If you sin... Now, it's one thing, if you sin yourself, you could always come back. But if in your sin, you then cause other people to sin, the tshuva won't help. Because not, you need to get everybody back, and there's no way to do that. So if a person sins, and in addition to their sinning, they cause other people to sin, that's like the worst thing. So, my, what, did he, my, uh, what, what happened over here? My oven, what did Elisha do that made it too late for him to do tshuva? Uh, I keep saying Elisha. I'm sorry. Uh, what did Gechazi do? So, Ikad Yami, some people say, Evan Shoevis Tola Chatos Yeravim, the Mida Ben Shemaim Laoritz. So, the Yeravim Ben Nevat set up a temple to the, to the golden calf, not to the golden calf, to the calf that he made. And um, 
Uh, Gechazi used the, the Guinness Book of uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, or Guinness, uh, no, Ripley's Trick. Um, I don't, they used to have a museum where they had these um, a sleight of eyes. Um, so basically what he did was that uh, he, he was a very smart person, and he used the magnetic pull to suspend the calf in the air. So that when people went to Yeruvim's temple, they all said, wow, it's a miracle. And they all joined Yeruvim's cult, Yeruvim's Jewish cult. Uh, and because they said miracles, because the, the Beis Amigdash had 10 miracles every day. And Yeruvim didn't have any miracles. And so he went over there and he did a, a magnetic pull trick uh, to suspend the calf. And everybody it was, it was made of metal. And so he did that trick. And so that uh, people started following the, the, this was the 10 tribes, this, the people, it led the people to idols. Ikadiyami said, some people, shame, shame, puma. No, it wasn't magnetic. He took the name of Hashem and put it in his mouth of the cat, the cow, and it started talking. You could hear a recording coming out of the mouth of the golden calf, not the golden, the calf of Yeruvim, saying that I am the Lord your God. So, you know, you see a, a trick like that, you say, wow, it must be real. So once he did that, there was no way to bring it back. Other people say, uh, he pushed away the students. He was a person of authority. He was like the second in command after Elisha. And he kept out other students. Because after Elisha left, it said, he says that uh, after Gechazi was kicked out, the, the next parak says there was no room in, a, in Elisha's yeshiva. They had a prophet yeshiva, just like you go to yeshiva to learn Torah, you can also go to yeshiva to learn prophecy. It's a prophet school, uh, not for prophet school, but uh, he had a prophet school. And all of a sudden it says there was no room over there. But as long as Gechazi was in charge, it wasn't crowded because he kept away certain students. Yeshua ben Brachiyamai, what was the story of him and his Kevin? When Yanai Malka uh, killed the rabbis, he was one of the kings of the Hashmonoim, and uh, there, was, um, uh, 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 the, uh, there was a question about his kahuna, and uh, he decided to take it out on the rabbis, so he started butchering the rabbis. So Shimon ben Shetach, who was one of the leaders, uh, he was related to the wife. It's nothing like a family fight here. He was his brother-in-law. So uh, his sister, who was married to King Yanai, hit him. Atboy uh, Akse and the other great sage were Yeshua ben Prakia. So the, the sages were on the most wanted list because they opposed the king. And so, because he, mur- uh, he was murdering them. So one of them ran away and one of them hid. Uh, so... Uh, uh, he went to Alexandria Shemitzrayim. He wasn't safe in the land of Israel. He went to Mitzrayim. Kihavi Shoma. Now, what happened was Yanai regretted that he killed all the rabbis. He realized that wasn't a very good idea. And he decided to make peace with the rabbis. So his sister sent a shokhalei, Shimon ben Shetak. So Shimon ben Shetak came out of hiding. And Shimon ben Shetak sent to the other rabbi, Minu Shalayim, Yerakodesh, Lechol Alexandria Shemitzrayim. He said, Achosi, my sister, Bali, Shori Bisokek, is, is there, Vani Yosheves Shemama. I'm all alone, I need you to come back. So he sent him like a secret message uh, to Egypt. I see from the message 
that things are good, it's, I can come back to Israel. He also, so when he came back, he stayed in a nice hotel, a certain hotel. Now, in the hotel he stayed, they were very honored that they had this uh, leading rabbi, this Rabbi uh, Yeshua ben Prachia. They treated them very nicely. You know, when somebody hosts you, and does, uh, you know, everything. You know, there's, there are hosts and there are hosts. There are some hosts that are unbelievable. Like, they just, this is their mitzvah. You know, they, they, they go out of their way to make you comfortable, right? Now, sometimes you, you, you can only, you know, I, I have a bed, you could stay there. But, and, and you don't have the, you know, that's good too. But there are some hosts that they just can't do enough for you. It's like unbelievable. So that's what they were for, uh, the hosts were unbelievable. Yosem Mishabeach. Now, the very least you could do is thank them. You know, for being nice to you. So um, the great sage Yeshua ben Prakia praised Kama no Aksanyazu. This place was beautiful. This you you guys were just great. So the the way it came out was this is a you know this uh, the hostess was beautiful. So Omerle Ekma Tamudov. So one of his students, when Rebbe said they were discussing the place they stayed, Rebbe said the hostess was beautiful. So one of the students said, what do you mean she was beautiful, Rebbe? Ain't of trutos. She had disgusting eyes. She had, uh, she had uh, the certain, uh, certain kind of eye thing that wasn't considered nice looking. So uh, when he said the hostess was beautiful, he meant she served good food, she was so nice to us, she prepared good beds, and the student took it that he was talking about she was pretty. So um, now... Usually, it, it really depends. In Hebrew, you could look at it two ways. Beautiful, it, in English, beautiful usually means the way your appearance. But in Hebrew, you, you could have, when you say, Kamanoa, how pleasant is it? You could, you could have understood it to mean it was nice accommodation. But this student took it that uh, it was a nice, uh, she's a pretty lady. So, Omele Russian. Thank you. Trutus uh, Agulus. Now, Bekakata. Rashi Mistako Be'eshes Ish. Good deeds, yeah. But he took it that she's beautiful, she's pretty in her appearance. So Omele, so he said to his student, Russia, you're good for nothing. Bekaka to Osik, that's what you're thinking about? Is whether she's pretty and you're, you're staring at, you even notice what her eyes were looking, you know, you're not supposed to stare at a married woman. Um, Rashi says, Mistako Ba'ishasish, you were staring, like, yeah, I guess you'd only notice the eyes if you were, like, staring at her. So Apik Aramea, he had 400 students, so they took out 400 chauffeurs with Shamta, and they put him in, imagine 400 chauffeurs blowing on this guy. Ko Yom Asakame, so the student uh, knew he had to go apologize, so every day he went in front of his rabbi, rabbi said, get out of here, Velokibo. Yom Achad Kriyashma. Now, the rule is the student is supposed to show he's sincere not just wanting to get back in. So uh, the Rebbe decided after a certain amount of days now was, uh, that he could come back. But Rebbe was saying, Shema then, the student came in front of him, he was, was going to say, yeah, come back. He pointed with his finger. So the student thought, he misread the finger signal. He thought, I'm getting the finger mid-kadokula. He's, he's shooting me off. He's saying he gave me the finger. But he meant to say, wait, I'm saying Shema. Then he went and he started worshipping idols and he went the other way. 
Omerle, the Rebbe said in Chosirba, come back, Omerle, you taught me, once you, you get other people to spin, it's too late. So Omar Mar Kisha, that he did a hocus pocus, an idol tree of Hictis Israel. He caused other people to spin. Tanya, we learned from this, the famous rule, your Yetzahara, uh, dealing with children and dealing with your uh, with a, a person's wife or a woman, you push away with the left hand the yamin mekrevis and you bring near with the right hand. It's funny they they talk about him pushing away both hands. They don't talk about him bringing back with either hand. Um, it's like like maybe I guess it's understood you should bring them back. Right, but, but I mean, but that maybe but, that they're, they're acting like the problem was pushing away a few hands, but. Seems like to me the problem was he never even brought him back. He tried, but then the student that he says he he tried he he went to the student and said come back, but then the student said it's too late. I've I I got people to worship oh, idols. So he did he did go to bring right. and both stories you see he went to the question but the 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 particular lesson is about pushing away the Yetzirah is an interesting lesson. Some people overdo on the Yetzirah. They focus too hard and that pushes the way. Let's see the Rashi here. Uh, Yetzer. So, uh, I raised a question about, uh, you know, when you're saying Krishma, what you can or can't do. I mean, if, under yeah. the circumstances here, wasn't, wouldn't this qualify possibly as, uh, you know, making that exception and, uh, you know, making the interruption? We talk about if the king walks by, the person says shalom to you, there's a lot about what you can and can't say during Krishma. And if he was prepared to do this, and he's, he's a very high-level person, he understands the situation, instead of just going like this with the hand, he could have been a little more clear. He thought his student knew the sign language. He, he, he thought, you know, this is my student. He'll understand that I'm not pushing him off. I'm just saying, wait. He just, he did, there, was, there was a miscommunication, which, like all things, in, in life, a lot of problems happen because there's a miscommunication. He thought it meant this, and she thought... So you're saying that why didn't he make a more clear communication by actually talking and saying, oh, I'm so glad you came back. He thought it was enough. He thought that he had communicated with him, uh, perhaps. And so, But the, the student just misread it. Uh, well, especially after all of those rejections, they, they, the, the, the relationship has frayed quite dramatically. So the, the hand signal, the nuance, however, uh, obviously wasn't you know, strong enough. He didn't realize that, though. He thought, it, he thought the student would. That, that was how I understood it. But I, I hear what you're saying. Let's try the Rashi. Fascinating Rashi. Which Yetzirah are we talking about? So Rashi says, Yetzirah Takrivanu. There's a Yetzirah for relations. Uh, and... It, it's um, sometimes it is a yetsahara. So he says, um, "A person shouldn't over um, uh, a person shouldn't be disgusted and never never have being fruitful and multiply. Like even though that's a taiva, a person shouldn't push it away. That's why, by the way, Yashka went and, and they're all celibate, right? That he he uh, he got that wrong, right? But at any rate, the king tinuk. And also a child, Pentivra Yavinet Zatzmo, he'll run away and and go lost. The Isha Afi Daita Kala. A woman also is sensitive, and if you push her away, Tetilatarbus Rash, she'll get involved into something she shouldn't. So uh, it's just a fascinating Rashi. 
Um, I've heard, uh, remember, uh, Victor Miller has a whole shear on this. Many people do. It's, uh, again, this is a, a good lesson if you have time to work on it. Let's see the mission. So let's say they found the uh, murderer before they actually did the hatchet job. So you could put the cow back. It's, uh, you, in other words, the Egla Rufa is, we don't know what happened here. Let's see if uh, the, uh, it could have been something in the city. But once we know there's a murderer, then there's no need to do the Egla Rufa. But what happens if you already did the hatchet job to cover the Mikomo? Then you bury it. Somebody asked me yesterday, do you bury it? We see from here that that, that was what you did with it. After you uh, killed it with a hatchet, you buried it. Shall Suffolk Bob and Kila, because you brought this because you weren't sure. Kipus fake of a hokolo. And uh, it, it did its job. Nerfa Egla, let's say you did, you did the hatchet job. And then you find a murderer. And there's witnesses. You could kill him. You know, it's even though we, we already did a process, that doesn't mean the murderer gets off. One witness says, I saw their murderer. I didn't. Or a woman says, I saw orphan. Basically, they cancel each other out, and so we don't really know if, if, we, if the, the murderer was caught or not, uh, or there was, was seen, so they would do the hatchet. One witness says, I saw the murderer, and someone says, no, you didn't. orphan. Then they would do it because two cancels out the one. Shnai Mormon, two people say they saw, and one says you didn't. Lo hayu orphan. Uh, then they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't do the hatchet. Mishurabah, now the Mark continues on. Mishurabah harotzkim, when there got to be a lot of murderers, botol eglarufa, they stopped doing eglarufa. The idea of eglarufa was that this was a one-time thing, and it was caused because a certain city didn't provide food, or they didn't provide escort, but um, there was a whole new class of people called murderers. And it was at that it was not found in the Jewish people typically murderers, but when there was a certain point towards the destruction of Bias Rishon, uh, where there were murderers, so there was no longer a purpose in uh, doing the search for Egla Rufa. You could assume one of these murderers was the one that did it. Misha Ba Lozer Ben Dinai Betachnides Ben Prisha, yeah, um, when or when these these were famous murderers. Uh, they came having Nikra Chosel. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, the those were the names that, that was like Al Capone of the time. Chosel Ben Haruxen. They used to call him the son of the murderer. Uh, they were well known murderers. There were people that did this for a living. Uh, similarly, uh, Jews also were not adulterous. They they've always been known to be uh, that that was not our thing. So But once it became common. To commit adultery, Pasco and Mayamorim, it discontinued. In other words, because murder and because adultery were not common, we could have a system to help us if it ever there were rumors or there was ever a problem. But once it became commonplace, then these systems went out of place. Rabbi Yochum ben Hefsikan, he stopped them, I won't be in charge of your daughters, Kisis Nuna, because they they have strayed Al and your daughters in law because they commit adultery. In other words, once the society was immoral, there no longer was a place for the sota. A similar saying, once these two sages died, they're specialists. They're people that focus on a certain midah. They're a tzaddik, they're a tamlachacham, they specialize in this. 
there are certain people who were specialists in everything. Eshkol means like they had it all. So, but the, these were those are the last rabbis that were that had it all. Shenamar ain eshkol echel bechora also nafshi. Yochanan Kohen Hevir. When Yochanan Kohen was in charge, he stopped Hodos Meiser. They stopped doing the uh, the Meiser ceremony. Um, we'll see why in the Gemara. Afu batos the Maorim, and he also stopped something called Maorim. We'll see what that is. Vesanofen. We'll see what that is. Uh, all those explained in the Gemara. Ad Yamov. Until his days, Rashi uh, The previous one, Gemara Fersh Taima. So Rashi here says, let's wait. So I'm going to say, let's wait. As we turn the page. Until his days, they used to allow uh, hammering in Yushalayim on Cholomoid. Uh, we'll see about that also. And uh, you didn't need to ask about what to do on Demai. How do you know if you did the Egla Rufa ceremony and then you found the murderer? Uh, that doesn't mean he gets let off. The land will not forgive the blood that he spilled. He might have said, well, what do you mean? You, took, you got an atonement already. No, the atonement also means you have to prosecute the one that killed him. So now this question here, the Mishnah got into the discussion of one witness against two witnesses. We've had this uh, previously um, in, uh, we had it in Nazar, um, but uh, over there was a the question whether he was Tomei or not Tomei. So uh, we'll, we'll repeat it here. What, what is a question of how, what's one witness against two? What about the testimony of someone who's not like a woman or a servant? Are they fully believed? So time in the Makishle, the issue is that we say we don't, uh, someone else says that the witness didn't see it. But if there was nobody denying what the witness said, one witness would be enough not to have an Egla Rufa. What do we know? We don't know. If we knew, even if there's someone on the other side of the world, you can't even get to them, they wouldn't do the Egla Rufa ceremony. How do you know if the court saw somebody kill someone? But we don't know who it was. Shiloh often you still don't do the Eglarufa Tamalovainu Nobody saw. Rod, somebody did see. If somebody witnessed it, then you don't Eglarufa is where nobody knows. Hash now that we're saying you trust one one witness, how could the other witness go against him? Once you believe one witness, it's Harekan Shnaim. It's like two witnesses. In other words, in a vacuum, when one witness comes forward. And he's and he he's credible. We accept that. So why do we believe someone else later to come and deny that? And Amar Lakula Tani Lo And you're right. We do accept that. Kenriyis Tani Lo We didn't. We do not do the hatchet. I Rukhima says Tani. No, we would. Ule Rukhia Kasha Ula. Why would we? Don't why we didn't we believe him already? Lo Kasha. So this answer we had by the way. Kan bevasachas kan if when one witness comes forward, another witness comes and says, no, you got it all messed up. So that one witness wasn't accepted yet. So if that witness at the very same moment has contradictory testimony, then that witness isn't believed like two. It's one against one. But if one witness, um, that's uh, when they come at one time. But if one witness comes, we search for witnesses, we find one, and that one is credible and believed, then he's believed like two, and so even if somebody shows up in court much later, you wouldn't believe him. 
One says, I saw somebody, I saw the murder. No, you didn't. A higher orphan, they would still do it. But if it's one against one, that implies we wouldn't. That contradicts what Rebbe said. But you have a question. What about the second part? Two people said we saw. No, you didn't. You wouldn't do it. One against one, you would. The issue of the Mishnah is when you have witnesses that are not 100% usually usable, like Rebbe Nechemia. Whenever the Torah says you can believe one witness, there's where you need formal testimony, and then there's where you just have to get the truth. So formal testimony, you can only accept a 100% kosher witness. Where you need to get to the truth, the Torah believes even one witness, you see how many witnesses there are. And two women against one man would be like two men against one man. Because they're accepted 100% for this. Some people say like this. If you had one witness came at the beginning when you looked, even a hundred women are like one. And basically, you accepted one already. What's the case? First, there was a woman that came. But according to Reb Nechemia, you, you count. Um, will this resolve Reb Nechemia? He says, don't you take a survey and you count the number of witnesses? And two women uh, uh, against one would be like two men against one. But two women against one man would just be like 50-50. And you believe the man more than the women. And why would we need to say it twice? Maybe we follow the majority opinion of the witnesses to be strict. But not to do an Egla Rufa, maybe not. that you do. And again, we had this discussion uh, before um, uh, regarding the when, basically um, when you don't ex- need formal testimony. So, is there a difference between a woman and a man? Is there more credibility for a man? Or is there less credibility for a man? That was the discussion. What does testimony mean? Uh, Adis, um, what what, testimony? I mean, well, what what's the what's the what's what's the difference between saying the truth and testifying that is the truth? Um, so, in some cases, you need a formal testimony where a person testifies in court and he's not related to the person and he's um, uh, okay. he's totally he's religious and acceptable. And then there are other cases where, for whatever reason. They're, they wouldn't be able to testify. Let's say they're a relative, right, or, right, right. or or let's say let's say a relative sees the guy shoot his, his relative. Right, so right. he, I saw the guy pull the gun. We believe right. him, but we can't. He he can't testify. Yes, um, okay. uh, women, we believe them, but they don't testify. Right, it's right. like a. So when is the court closed? Like when is one yeah, setting and when is two setting? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, when, when is when is considered zeh or zeh? Why is it considered? It's not that we haven't defined it so well. But we'll get to all these issues when we get to the zikin. Tan Rabban Mishra we said that once. Uh huh. I didn't get the last point. You said that two women against one man. Mm-hmm. Of two women accepted. No. Uh, well, it's like fifty-fifty in that case, because the one man is testimony. And the two women are not, they don't have formal testimony. Uh, but that's the Ikidi Yamri, that's a different opinion. Okay. Um, 
The question is, when the Torah already tells you that one witness is enough, the Torah, in effect, is saying we don't require formal testimony. We're just looking for the truth. And uh, two women would be double that of one person, or not. Once there were too many, Egla Rufa is because we're not sure. Once it became well known, Okay, we will stop here at the uh, uh, at the adulterers. Okay, have a great day.